This is an E-Impulse Hotly with your host, Julia Magana. So this is Julia Magana. I'm here with Hani Stoklosa. She is a kind and compassionate person and emergency medicine provider. Hani, tell us about yourself. What's, what's your role and uh, where do you work at? So I'm an emergency medicine physician at Brigham Women's Hospital, Harvard Medical School, and executive director of Heal Trafficking. So what is Heal Trafficking? What's your area of specialty? So Heal Trafficking is a network of over 1,500 multidisciplinary professionals that are fighting trafficking from a public health lens. We were founded in the fall of 2013 with really the vision that together we're stronger in combating trafficking from a public health lens. We work at that nexus of public health and health care. So public health takes that broader lens of we need to not just try to arrest or prosecute our way out of trafficking, but think about how to prevent it in the first place. And of course, healthcare is is realizing that and waking up to the fact that up to 88% of trafficking victims interface with healthcare at some point during their exploitation. So we need to be equipped and ready to respond to trafficking victims when they come through our doors. Yeah, that's absolutely huge. Who can be a part of this HEAL network and how can they use the network? Yeah, so the network is really a community resource for anybody that's working on health and trafficking. We have committees that are working on education and training, protocol development, direct services, including mental health services, advocacy, research, media and technology. And it's really easy to join our network. So on our website, healtrafficking.org, H-E-A-L-T-R-A-F-F-I-C-K-I-N-G, Dot .org uh, you can sign up to join any of our listservs we send out you know announcements about the latest research on trafficking people share events that they're putting on they share resources that they're finding and ask questions to the community and each of the committees meet regularly to work on projects related to their kind of component of health and trafficking i know i'm part of it i receive the emails it's a fairly active listserv and i love being able to see other people out there fighting the good fight and see the questions that they're asking. I'm like, oh yeah, I should be asking that question also. And also keeping up with all of the research is a really cool aspect of that. So thanks for all of the work that you do with that. Tell me, okay, you're on a shift and you've got, you know, however many patients yet to see waiting for you in your waiting room and you see somebody that you're concerned about. First of all, who's that patient that you're concerned about? How do you screen? Walk me through that process. So first of all, we don't screen everyone for trafficking. And that's really a lesson that we've learned from domestic violence and child abuse. When I'm on a shift, I'm looking for those patients that something is off. So this is very much what I've learned from my training in domestic violence. There's something medical and something kind of social that just doesn't fit together. So a common example might be somebody that broke their arm and then they come in like five days after they broke their arm. Breaking your arm is really painful. Why didn't they come in right away? And so using that curiosity, that like inquisitive part of your mind to kind of try to put together a story. And if things aren't lining up to know, hey, we need to look beneath the surface a bit more. It may be that they're coming in at two o'clock in the morning and it's their fifth visit for a pregnancy check or for an STD check. They may not have any of their identification when registration tries to get their identification from them. And they may be with somebody that seems to be controlling their their words in in some way or their actions in some way. So it's really a number of different things that could be red flags, and they're slightly different for labor and sex trafficking. But if I see any of those kind of clues where I'm worried about this individual, then I want to have a conversation with them. 
So <laughs> at that point, it's creating space where it's a safe environment for that individual to feel like they can disclose. So we were talking earlier about uh, taking care of patients in the hallway. So yeah. this is not a question that I would dive into in the hallway, right? Yeah. So I'm going to try to find, maybe it's a, a, a quieter corner, maybe it's a social worker office, maybe it, the excuse I have to separate them from the person that they're with is, hey, we need to get a urine sample. And so we go around two corners to the bathroom to get that urine sample as an excuse to, to have that privacy and to have that safer space to, to talk. And then I'll say, you know, we're in addition to what's going on and the medical stuff that you came in for, I worry about all of my patients' safety in their lives. And so a lot of people are in really unsafe situations. An example that I'll give is for, you know, a patient that comes in who's using heroin, maybe they have an abscess in their arm. And I'll say, you know, we're seeing a lot of patients where they're trading sex for drugs and then they end up getting trapped in a situation where somebody's not letting them kind of move about freely. They can't come and go. They don't have access to their cell phone. They might be locked in a motel room. Has that ever happened to anybody you know, any of your friends or to you? And it's opening that door to the conversation that, hey, I care about you. I care about things besides just treating this abscess in your arm. The majority of the times I get a flat out, like, no, this is not something that's ever happened to me. And sometimes I see that flash of recognition where... They know what I'm talking about, but they're not at a place where they're feeling safe to disclose that. And so what I'll say then is, you know, if that answer ever changes, if that ever, you know, happens to a friend or somebody you know or to you, please know that this emergency department is a safe place for you to come to. So I create that open door. And there are people that have come back as a result of that and disclose later on. Wow, that's amazing. For those that do say, yeah, I, I think that's me, what do you do in that case? This gets to the need to have protocols in your health systems um, and to use those protocols. So we've learned from the domestic violence movement um, uh, spurred hospitals across the country to have plans in place for uh, domestic violence. And in the same way, each and every clinic, um, outpatient, uh, inpatient services, everyone, every health system needs to have a protocol for trafficking. So in the case of, you know, positive identification in our own emergency department, usually the next call is to social work in working closely with our case coordinators to connect that person to the things that they need. And just to, to back up for a second, in that initial moment where somebody does disclose, it's thanking them for having the courage to disclose that information. This may be the first time that they've ever told anybody, and that's such a big deal. Yes, yeah, so um, huge. And so just to allow that space for that to be kind of heard in the room. And then it's a conversation with that individual, assuming that they're an adult, that what are the things that they're looking for? It may be that they really just want a turkey sandwich. Yeah. It may be that they're looking for shelter. And so it's knowing what resources that I have in hand, because I don't want to promise anything that I'm not able to follow through on. And then having the conversation with them to see what they're looking for at this stage. And you have community partners that you work with if they do want something outside of the emergency department or you go to law enforcement, who do you go to, who do you turn to for the next steps? So again, depending on what resources they've asked for, it's connecting them with those resources. So in some cases it's shelter. In some cases it is law enforcement. I just want to put a caveat out there. Like there's this inclination on the part of health professionals to like want to save and rescue and like call law enforcement whenever they hear about trafficking because that's such a horrible, horrible thing. 
But that's usually the last thing I offer, um, and that's for a couple of reasons. So a lot of trafficking victims have been forced to commit crimes as part of their exploitation. And so when they hear law enforcement, they think, oh, I'm going to get arrested. And all of their brushes with law enforcement previously have not been good ones usually. And so even by offering that, in some cases, you may kind of ruin the relationship and they may like just kind of run out of there. And we've, we've had that, <laughs> that happen. And so I put, the, I put that out there um, just on folks' radars. And then for folks that are undocumented, raising the offer of law enforcement to them in their minds, it might equal concern for deportation. And so just to realize that there are good law enforcement that understand the nuances of trafficking, and those are the ones you're going to want to connect them with, but to know that context when you're making that offer of that particular resource. Yeah, I think that's absolutely huge. So if there's a provider out there that's listening and wants to say, like, I think this is something that I could start at my department in my clinic and my emergency department, where should they start? What would be the first step you would suggest? Absolutely. So I would have them check out our website, healtrafficking.org. We have a treasure trove of resources on our website, including a toolkit for protocol development. So it's a manual that goes from A to Z for somebody who wants to set up a protocol in their health system. And, you know, probably their natural partners are going to be those that are working on child abuse and domestic violence in their health systems. And uh, they can work in collaboration and partnership with them to, to get their plan in place. So if they do identify somebody, that they'll, they'll have that in place. Again, healtrafficking.org. Check it out. I definitely personally recommend it. Honey, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it and all that you're doing for these victims out there for advocating for our patients. Thank you for having me. 